Yeah, I'm like Neo now. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. That's Morpheus. What's going on, everyone? Jurassic Views, Courtney Wright, Zyaquana, Bryce Diamond. We back, the three of us together. And I want to get right to it, guys. I want to get to a question, something that's been pressing on my mind for the last 10 games. And it's this. Is Evan Mobley even in the conversation with Scotty Barnes anymore? Like, seriously, Scotty Barnes' game has elevated. I don't even know Evan Mobley anymore because Scotty Barnes has taken a few steps up. And and there's other guys on the Cleveland Cavaliers that have stepped up, but I don't see the conversation the same way as I did last season. And I just I want to get to that first and foremost because Scotty Barnes is the truth. And and I think he's he, he needs to be talked about on the pod from the jump. Courtney? <laughs> no, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Um, I, I think one thing that I enjoy seeing is how the kind of the young vets uh, we're talking Pascal, Fred, are are giving him opportunities uh, for his personality, kind of his his small leadership personality to continue to develop, and uh, it's remarkable. Uh, the, the responsibility that he's able to hold on his shoulders. Um, and there's stretches during the game where he's affecting the game defensively as well as offensively. And I thought that he would have a slower start to this season just because of his, you know, adjusting to, to new players, more responsibilities as a sophomore. The sophomore slump is a reality. Um, Tyler Hero. Tyler Hero. <laughs> um Nevertheless, my gosh, it, it, I am so impressed. Uh, and, uh, and also so fun to see him play. Like I, he brings such a joy to the game. Um, I probably, and I didn't know how, how much as a fan I missed that from watching basketball. Um, and, um, and then looking back, someone showed me a Hito Turkoglu clip from years ago. <laughs> and I'm, and I was like, goodness gracious, just pivoting towards uh, Scotty Barnes just gives me a sense that um, the future is incredibly mm. bright, like climate change is going to be solved, <laughs> like, you know, uh, world conflicts, you know, no will, will be, will cease, you know what I mean? And, uh, but no, uh, in, in saying that, not saying that in, in, in just, saying that in jest, but um so so glad so happy for for the dude and um so looking forward to what what um the season has more in store for us to see well how do i follow that kind of praise (laughs) (laughs) no it's absolutely i'm completely on the same page with you he has been such a joy to watch this season um i was kind of preparing myself mentally for him to have that I thought he was going to have a slump but I thought you know maybe he's not going to come out in the same way that he did in his rookie year but he has 
not disappointed. And uh, in the last few games, when Fred was out with his lower back soreness and everything, it uh, it did give Scotty a bit of a chance to step up, step into more of a playmaking role, and he crushed it. He's been absolutely phenomenal. And uh, thank goodness Fred is back now. And uh, obviously last night his performance was just fantastic. And uh, I hope it shut up all the people that were saying, oh, trade Fred, we played better without him. Pedestrians. But seriously, like two games against the Hawks and the Spurs. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, seeing Scotty really step up into that role has been great. And again, Pascal being injured, obviously terrible and hoping that he's only out for those two weeks at least. But it will be interesting to see how Scotty fares, obviously uh, taking on a lot of that load. And uh, I'm sure we'll see him having a lot more minutes. So and I think he'll impress us as he always does. Yeah, when I think about Scotty Barnes, obviously I think about the next, you know, five to, to ten years uh, of his time with us. I don't know if he's allowed in his contract to leave at all, but uh, I, I see the future with Scotty being bright. But you mentioned Pascal, and uh, in that Dallas game, and we can talk about Scotty Barnes' performance in the fourth quarter. It was exceptional um, and, and inspirational. But when Pascal slipped at the end of that third quarter, my basketball fandom flashed through my eyes because I had, I think like everything around me stopped and I thought the very worst was about to happen to us. Uh, and I am glad that it's not as bad, but what was, what was going through your mind what was going through your heart? What did you say? Uh, if it's vulgar, that's okay. Um, what was happening when Pascal hit the ground in Dallas the other night? Yeah, I, I won't repeat the words that I said. <laughs> <laughs> they were not appropriate. There were a lot of them. Um, no, exactly like you, Bryce. I think realistically, like it probably took a second maybe for him to hit the ground, but it felt like a lifetime. Um, I completely thought the worst as well. I was just absolutely mortified. And it was, I don't know, it was one of those frustrating things. Like he just slipped on sweat. It's uh, not like it was an Lucas sweat. Yeah, so it was just like it was disappointing, right? Like as a fan, you don't want to see someone literally just slip and fall like that. So I'm glad that it's not worse, but it was just, uh, yeah, it was a heartbreaking moment, especially with his start, like coming out, obviously wanting to be a top five player and playing like a top five player for this to happen at this time was just crushing. Uh, Zaya, uh, Pascal, uh, Courtney and I, uh, you know, earlier, just before the season started, had Pascal 12th or 13th to start the league. So, I want to ask you, name 10 players in the league right now that have played better than Pascal Siakam. Uh, in the league, like Michael Jordan? No, no, no. Oh. I mean, like, right now. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's exactly it. That was just, I, I, I can name – I can give you – I can give you four to five yeah. in the league right now uh, that are playing at an incredible level. Hit me. Luka. Um, uh, Jokic, Jason Tatum. I'm 
Joel, no, not even Joel Embiid. No. I was going to say Donovan Mitchell. No, um, okay. That's it. That's that's Pascal Siakam. I'm not not sure. not the Greek freak. He's not on that list. <laughs> yeah, Giannis is, is is always on the list. So sorry, I I I, I couldn't think of uh, I didn't think of him immediately because um, I'm also contrasting my list with some of the hot names that are on the media's list right, and so on and so right. forth. Uh, Lauren Markin in his own some people's <laughs> list. Is For MVP but, ladder. But, 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 but the, you know, like, um, like, it, it, like the poet once said, you know, um, you know, boys lie, girls lie, you know, numbers never lie. And <laughs> Pascal Siakam is putting up until the Dallas game, yeah, yeah. putting up 24.8 points a game. 9.3 rebounds a game and 7.7 assists. Uh, Courtney Bryce, that's like Scottie Pippen um, numbers when Michael Jordan retired for the first right, time. Right. I don't know if you would call it a retirement. Let's talk about his baseball stint, right? <laughs> um, th th it's incredible and, and amazingly difficult to pull off. And if you are watching the film, meaning tape, watching his game, he doesn't even let up on the defensive end. And so his bat, his on-ball defense, his team defense still maintains that Nick Nurse standard of excellence and work ethic. And then he's putting up these numbers on the offensive end. That He cracks that like top five MB, MVP ladder that ESPN always puts yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Zach Lowe that actually mentioned him in his top 10 things to watch last okay, week okay. Um, because he, it's a marvel to see this, this young man. And if anyone remembers the highlights of him, when he started with the, the NBA, uh, with the Raptors, you can't, you couldn't believe it. You think it's a, it's a completely different individual, right? Mm -hmm. um, so he's on the shelf for the moment. Right. Right. And I think, um, is that like a blood? I ask both of you, is that like a blessing in disguise? Mm. I'm trying to see the silver lining in yeah, all of yeah, this because yeah. I was also in the mud Saturday night when he got injured. Um, it gives him an opportunity to rest, right? It's a long season. And then two, it, it puts pressure on guys like Scotty Barnes, who we've just mentioned, and someone that we haven't mentioned. And we've always been talking about his offensive jump. We know the defensive jump is there, and he's like defensive player of the year candidate right now. But OG, it gives an opportunity for OG, I believe, who finished with 27 points that, that game yeah, on, the Dallas against game. the Dallas game. Um, had a quieter game against the Bulls, but uh, balanced it out in the second half. Is this an opportunity for the, the other characters? You know, I would even add Gary Trent, uh, <clears throat> Precious Achua, to kind of take a next step. Courtney, B. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm completely with you. I'm the eternal optimist. So I try to look at the bright side of saying, okay, who's going to get more minutes, right? Yeah. Uh, there's even players like Thad Young, who for the first few games, I wasn't sure when or if we were ever going to see him. Um, and of course, Otto Porter Jr., who congratulations. Uh, he, of course, was out for personal reasons, which we've since learned were the birth of his child. Ah, respect. So, very Fred Van Vliet vibes. <laughs> Yep. So now Otto Porter Jr. is back too. And I think that we'll see a lot of these guys. I mean, Nurse is going to have to go deeper into the rotation, right, to uh, figure some things out here. So and I think we'll see guys step up. 
And I mean, even Christian Coloco, like I never thought that we would see him starting in consecutive games, let alone performing at the level that he has. So I think the Cameroonian connection, right? While Pascal is laughing, I think we'll see him step up a lot too. Something is in the water in Cameroon. Yeah, definitely. Duwala. Now, OJ Anobi has has really played well. And the big question that everyone talked about in the offseason was his health. Can he give 70 games this year? Can he be healthy for 70 games? Because if he is, he's going to be an anchor to this team. Um, and I think early on in this season, you know, we're only 10 games in playing our 11th tonight. Uh, you know, Fred's been injured. Pascal has been injured. Our bench has had moments where it's been thin. And he's he's been excellent. I think he has taken steps and mostly because he's just had that consistency. Uh, but I, I do want to talk a little bit about Christian Coloco, because, again, we must give thanks and praise to the creator, Masai Ujiri and, and Bobby Webster, because this is an incredible pickup. This is a second round pick. And he is exactly what we needed. And he is delivering like Carl Malone couldn't. Uh, this is the exact kind of guy we want. He fits the team. And man, oh, man, his, his block shots last night give us rim protection in a way that we haven't had for, for, for years. I guess Serge Ibaka, but like even a younger Serge Ibaka. Uh, Serge Ibaka mixed with uh, Biombo. Uh, right, right. Um, it, it's, it's, it's quite incredible. Um, I think Patrick Williams from the Bulls. I know Halloween was last week, but he's having nightmares uh, after what he had experienced uh, from uh, Coloco yesterday. Um, it's incredible. I, his learning curve is exceptionally fast. His learning curve to, to understand, adapt. Uh, Nick Nurse's defenses are very complex. And so um, you can see sometimes he's making some mistakes, but then he adapts. He's incredibly agile. But it's also his work on the offensive end, right? Giving another option um, uh, for Freddie, for Pascal on uh, on the rotation, on the pick and roll, but also having incredibly great hands. And something something that I, I, I can't underestimate is passing the basketball while screening and not being called for an offensive foul, right? Um, Pirtle was getting called for that for a millennia. When he, he just got called for that against the, uh, with the Spurs the other night against. Him. And he's been in the league for like six years, right? <laughs> but 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 so it so there's something like he's in, incredibly intelligent as a young player already being put in a on a hot pressure situation. So kudos to him. It, it, you know, I know he's doing well. There will be some low low nights, and mm-hmm. I think we mm-hmm. should expect that from a rookie. But uh, in, uh, kudos to him, uh, Courtney. Oh, he's been so fun to watch. Like Scotty, just an absolute joy. Um, and the team tends to be better when he's on the court. Uh, never in a million years did I think he would be getting the minutes that he is every night, but he has earned them. Uh, I can't think of another player that should be starting ahead of him, at least at this point in the season. Um, yeah. I've just been super impressed with him. Uh, I read today that other teams are shooting at 55% within six feet of the rim when Coloco is defending them. Like no one can get past him. Um, And like you said, Z, we are seeing him make a lot of mistakes. I think that refs are also being 
a bit hard on him. He is getting rookie. I did. <laughs> averaging, I think, what, like three personal fouls a game. Um, so I think he'll learn. I think that as the season progresses, he'll start to get a bit more careful in that regard. But I don't know. I think in the, the next couple of weeks, he's really going to either uh, step up into the role that Nick's going to expect of him or he's going to get benched. But I think he'll step up. Yeah, something that, you know, a lot of people have talked about uh, in the league in respect to the floor is you're trying to bend defenses, create spacing, stretch things out, you know, obviously even positions, a stretch four, a stretch five. And what is interesting that we as a team really haven't had a chance to talk much about is how you stretch the floor vertically. Mm. And he's bending defenses in ways they a lot of them can't, certainly Vucevic can't for Chicago, yeah. where he's go, he's elevating literally our offensive opportunities because of not just his height and length, but because of his athleticism and his ability to catch lobs that high. Like I'm talking, yeah. you know, top of the box on the backboard type stuff. It's yeah. incredible. And, and, you know, there was a scene where last night, a scene, sorry, a play, where he was defending at the three-point line, recovered to block Patrick Williams at the rim. Um, so the time, so the the the, the quickness uh, uh, and adjustment and rotation on defense is is, is exceptional. Um, a, gr a great example is you know when Chris Boucher um, defends the three-point line and blocks a three-point shot, and people are uh, amazed by that. But now imagine someone who's a few inches taller than Chris Boucher, who recovers from the three-point line to the paint, um, he's uh, he'll be giving um, Patrick Williams. Uh, he'll be sweating in his in his sleep for the for the for the rest of the season and many others. Um, anyone else that pops out? Well, one thing you know, I, I know Gary. We haven't talked about. He's the only uh, starter that we haven't really got to. Uh, but one. Uh, question I had uh, in respect to the rest of the roster was I, I'd love to hear you each pick one bench player and, and talk about their impact, their role on the team. And we can just, you know, take time to, to have one player each and that will probably get to the ones we want to talk about anyways. So Courtney, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I think for me, it's actually been Chris Boucher. I think he's been absolutely phenomenal since he came back from his injury. Um, he has absolutely made an impact. He's been the, getting significant points coming off the bench. Um, and on both ends, defense, offense, he's been uh, very present. Um, I thought that we'd see a lot more of him and Thad paired up, uh, which we saw a lot last yeah. year. Those two really dominated when they were on the court together. So I don't know. I guess Nick has uh, switched things up a bit, and obviously I trust him. Um but I think Chris has really made a huge impact. Z. It's fun to see Otto Porter out there. I mean, just the Lionel Richie. Yeah, a few months ago, he was uh, stretching the floor for the Golden State Warriors, right? And, yeah. You know, and for a championship team. And now he's with us. And, um, and just the, the calmness he brings. Uh, he played significantly in that fourth quarter uh, in the game last night and played some, you know, stretches um against dallas uh so it's still a system for him to learn and i think uh that's coming along but it's so refreshing to know that um we're not um sacrificing um experience when we reach out to the bench 
Uh, we still have a level of uh, size when he brings when he comes in. Uh, he has a three point stroke. Um, and if you both remember last year when Nick had to reach out to the bench, and who did he reach out to? I mean, we had Svi. We oh, had and we we had uh, you know uh, everyone's favorite uh, Yuda Wanadabe. Who's playing yeah. great in Brooklyn this year? Yeah. So we were quite thin last year, and now we actually are trying to squeeze in time for guys like Delano and Malachi. We haven't even seen Champagne close to the bench, right? right? So because of individuals like Otto Porter who give you an element of versatility that doesn't allow us to that challenges the rest of the end of the bench so yeah uh i well i i mean i could talk about delano banton and i'd love to see him play more minutes mostly because i want to see fred play less minutes but if i'm gonna take a guy uh that you haven't said yet i gotta say precious achua um precious adds an element of intensity adventure um and certainly with that adventure comes a little bit of inconsistency but i think that's about right for a guy who's in the league for his third season a guy who's get, been given a similar role as he did a guy who is that he didn't have but when you think that he can go like two for five from the line one night and then six for six on another night when he can go uh, like minus 20 yesterday, something like that in the box score. And, and then you can go 22 plus, uh, sorry, 22 rebounds against Miami. Um, you know that his upside when it gets to a consistent level is going to be crazy. And it's going to put a lot of pressure, which I think is a lot of fun, on Masai and on Nick and the coaching staff to make a decision about how highly they think of him, not just for now, but for the future. And if that three-point shot gets some consistency like it did at the end of last season, Precious Achua, uh, Precious Achua gives us uh, kind of a key into – winning playoff series, not just one, but multiple playoff series. So I really like our bench in general. I like the three guys we've talked about. I do want to see more from Malachi and Delano, but there is a lot to be excited about and hopeful for. And when you think, uh, you know, Pascal's going to come back and that's going to bump somebody from the current starting lineup, um, because Fred and Pascal have been out so many games, it's, it's just going to be really, really interesting. Um, now, we're 10 games in, and a comment I heard from another podcast, Raptors podcast, was them saying that last night's game was their favorite win of the season. I know we're only 10 games in. But if you had to pick a game out of the 10 that was your favorite Raptors performance, would you would you be able to pick one? Which one would it be? Zaya, want Zaya, want you to start this time. A game so far, so far, yeah. Wow, um, I do have to say, for you know, technical reasons and matchup, the game against Atlanta, 
uh, because we've struggled in the past playing with incredibly savvy, quick um, guards like Trey Young. Uh, and he had a rough go with us. One. Yeah, he did. And incredibly talented uh, team uh, player, uh, all star. I know they were they had a long stretch on the road. And so the last stop was uh, Toronto. And um, they really uh, he in particular really struggled, not just in terms of shooting the ball, but also creating uh, and running the offense. But then if you look at the matchup, they have Jason Collins. They have um, Capella. Uh, they have another. Uh, Deontay Murray. Deontay Murray. Um, they have, oh, God, Deontay Murray was, it's, it's great to see him play outside of the, the San, Antonio uh, San Antonio Spurs. Tank lineup. Yeah. Um, and then they have the uh, young fellow. I think it's his third season. Uh, he played at Virginia University. Um on the wing, he was matched up a lot with uh, uh, DeAndre, Hunter. DeAndre Hunter. So they have players who who can match up well against our kind of six nine, our vision six nine. Right. Yet it didn't, and they have an incre- incredibly uh, talented and, and sharp coach mm-hmm. um, named McMillan on the sidelines. Nevertheless, thanks, Indiana. <laughs> nevertheless, um, we were too much for them. And it was great to see. And I think, some, you know, there's some uh, in the Eastern Conference, some experts say that we're, we match up, you know, they're in that middle pack of the Eastern Conference like we are. Um, but they weren't even any match for us. And uh, it was fun to see that. I know, um, you know, match up against Brooklyn or that, you know, that, you know, kick in the rear. Uh, we did to San Antonio, you know, gives us kind of, uh, you know, numbers, you know, a sensation, but it was that game, at least for me, that allowed us to evaluate our team better and to see kind of our growth as a team and where we should we continue to go, uh, where are some of the flaws that we still need to address, um, i.e. backup point guard minutes, like B mentioned. And um, yeah, I think I really, it was really, it's really fun to see our wing guys like Scotty as well as OG um come into their own offensively we are going to desperately need them in the half court for them to figure it out consistently yeah. and uh, that was one at least indicator for me to, to to say that there is going to be um yeah we're, we're we're moving on up a lot there's we're not reverting back to what we did last year and i think this is the this is the year that we're going to be seeing an inc- uh um a significant leap from uh, from our guys. Courtney, is there a game that stands out for you that you were uh, most impressed by? That's such a good question, Bryce. I love that. Um, the Hawks game was honestly one of the first that came to my mind. Um, even though Trey Young got a triple-double, the fact that we limited him to 14 points I think was huge. To me, that was a big win for us. But I think if I had to pick one game, it would be our win over the Heat. Okay. Even though it was a pretty low scoring game. Yeah. Yeah. It was 98 90 for me. It was just, it was incredibly entertaining. And we saw our bench really shine that night. Like Pascal and Fred, they both had amazing nights as they typically do. Um, but we saw other players like Precious, Chris, even like Delano, Kem Birch, all those guys chipped in. Uh, and it was also the night that Precious broke his career high of 22 rebounds in one game, which was just, I couldn't believe I was seeing it in real time. 
Uh, so I think for me, that was my number one so far. Yeah, that was uh, a huge breakout night against his old team. Pressure showing up. That was that was massive. Now, when I look at the standings, there's a team who is second in the entire NBA, and they have one loss. The Cleveland Cavaliers' only loss was to the Raptors on opening night. And that game, I could point out as my most impressive game, but I'm not going to. I'm actually going to uh, kind of cheat on this question a little bit, even though I, may, I had you guys answer it. But we didn't get the win. But as Zaya said after the game the other night, it was a moral victory. And that was against the Dallas Mavericks. When Pascal went out, my heart snapped. And I was very worried about my health and the Raptors' health as well. But something happened in that fourth quarter with our squad, very similar to a game that happened last season against the Miami Heat, where we won, I think, in like triple overtime. And I had said to Zaya, something happened. Something shifted within us that gave us a belief, that gave us like imagination into who we could be. And when Pascal went out, I mean, nobody wanted Pascal. We need desperately Pascal to return, just like we need Fred desperately on this squad. But in that Dallas fourth quarter, Scotty Barnes gave me something uh, that was incredible. Chris Boucher was incredible. OG continued. Uh, he almost single-handedly put us in overtime. Um, it, he just miscalculated a steal. But that game gave me belief that we're further along than I actually thought uh, we, we were and are. And, and it's just exciting to see us play against an MVP candidate like Luca, who is, you know, able to do a, incredible things even against us, right? Elite, yeah, elite stuff. And it was in their building without Pascal, without Fred Van Vliet, and here's freaking Scotty Barnes leading our ball club to, you know, the Dallas Mavericks fans shit themselves because they were so scared at how close we got that game. I, I'm just very excited about this team after seeing that game. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that one in particular, but my most impressive game so far from the Raps this season. Um, now, I know that we're going to talk about, you know, the rest of the league and we'll have to transition. And I thought, I saw something today that may help give a bit of transition for us to get to the league-wide stuff. Now, there was a guy who used to play on our team who did a show called How Hungry Are You? And Serge Ibaka has continued to do this show in L.A. with the Clippers and now with the Bucks. And I think either on the weekend or today – he did an episode with Giannis Antetokounmpo. And in the episode, he said, if you can answer something, I'm going to give you true, true or false questions. And if you can't answer the question, you have to eat something I put in front of you. And his question to Giannis, one of his questions to Giannis was, will you play for the Toronto Raptors later in your career? Wow. And Giannis did not answer. He had to eat something that uh, Serge gave him. 
What are your feelings about this possibility? Is it just content that Serge is creating? Uh, or is there some truth to this? I mean, I'm not a conspiracy theorist like some others <laughs> in the room, but I did see some speculation that Masai actually sent Serge to Milwaukee to get Giannis <laughs> to the Raptors. So I think this has been planned out from the get-go in Masai, I trust. But it's been laid out for the last several years. We're now seeing it come to fruition. <laughs> that's, that's an incredible... Wow. Um, wow. Whole different level. Wow. Well, is that a contractual bonus if he brings the honest <laughs> to Toronto? Oh my gosh. Honorary Toronto Raptor Sergi Baca. Love him. Um, and allows uh, Masai to avoid any fines. Exactly. <laughs> Tampering fines. <laughs> um, no, that's fine. I mean, I, I miss Serge. Always great to see him. Uh, he always inspires me to uh, to to maintain my integrity, not just morally, but also aesthetically. Um, but uh, now I'm thinking about Giannis. <laughs> uh, the, the lineup with Giannis, like, where? What does the league do? No, right? The league shuts down. Oh <laughs> my gosh, Giannis, Siakam, Coloco. Scotty Barnes, I, I, my, my, my mind is always going to the contractual, like we cannot afford it. But if there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> well, if there's Messiah, there's a way. Now, if we got Giannis Antetokounmpo on the Toronto Raptors, like in the next year or two, now likely on, it's at not going to happen. Time. But, but at the end of his contract, does our team compete? with like the Warriors of 2017? Like, are we in that category at that point? Because who knows what Scotty Barnes, the Florida freak, is going to be like at that point, you know? Uh, like I mentioned to both of you, Courtney and Bryce, um, if that, if there's, a, if there's a deal on the table to bring Giannis to the Toronto Raptors, I will personally, I don't know where I will be, <laughs> I will personally drive myself to Milwaukee. That's right. I can, I, can, I can take a flight, but I'll drive myself just to prove my, 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 uh, my stake here. I will, I will relocate, sell whatever I have here in Ottawa and move to Milwaukee. Carry uh, Thanos' bags. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, to ensure that Giannis and his bro whatever brother needs to also accompany Giannis <laughs> to Toronto. I will be part of the trade package. I don't know what skills I'll bring to the Milwaukee Bucks organization, but in order for that dream to happen and that dynasty to, to begin, um, show me, you know, hey, I'll have a realtor to show me some of the good houses in suburban Milwaukee. <laughs> I know. And I'll make it happen. I also know that Milwaukee is just an hour north of Chicago. So I think I'll be doing fine on weekends. Kenosha? I think Kenosha, Wisconsin is a, one of the suburbs. <laughs> hey, um, I'll do what I got to do to make sure that, that that Toronto Raptors dream comes through. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, uh, as always, there are always rumors and there's always drama with the NBA. And I mentioned this on a pod uh, last week. 
I think we had the most exhausting week that I can remember in the NBA last week. It pulled us all over the place. It shocked us with some of the things that were said, that were written about, that were tweeted. Um, how did you get through the week? Was it surprising? Was it, uh, did, did you feel like, you know, you were dreaming? What was going on for you as you watched the headlines for the NBA last week? Well, I'm getting over a cold and I can't tell what was a fever dream and what was actually <laughs> real life. So I'm going to let Z take the lead on this one. Whoa. Um, where, where do we start, right? Yeah. Should we start um, with the Yeah, we can start with the Brooklyn. We may not get off the Brooklyn Express, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we can start with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I will, I'll start, and probably this is the more lighter uh, topic, is the firing of coach uh, Steve Nash, basketball legend, Canadian, um, who took on his first NBA coaching opportunity um, with the Brooklyn Nets at the, at the quote-unquote, at the, the request of Kevin Durant, and we knew we know that we received uh, word um, over the summer that you know Kevin Durant had requested that Steve Nash, as well as the general manager Sean Marks, Sean Marks be be uh, let go in order for them to kind of reboot. Um, nevertheless, uh, the intervention of John Side, the owner, saying you know using his kind of uh, power you know power card. Uh, you know, suggesting that that won't be, that won't happen. Lo and behold, what, eight games into the season, they go Mike Brown on him. Uh, if you don't remember Mike Brown, he was fired after five games coaching the LA Lakers. Um, so it, it, it was, it was confusing. And then he, it, within an hour, you see a report from Shams or Woj that, you know, Ime Doka is being considered uh, as the coach who, uh, for the Brooklyn Nets, uh, Ime Doka, this, the, the, I, I can't even say former Boston Celtics no, coach right. because uh, he's still under contract with the Boston Celtics, but has been suspended for a year due to uh, disciplinary reasons for, um, and uh, one could say that it's sexual misconduct and uh, in, in not in the office space, not sexual assault so much as more so uh, uh, a, a, an abuse of power uh, being the head coach of, uh, of, uh, of the Boston Celtics. So it, it, it's confusing. It's dramatic. It's, it's, it, it, it's, writ with so much organizational mayhem and ugliness uh, for lack of a better word uh, and uh, so that that was that was probably the the something that didn't you know rive me up as much as uh, the other news to be quite honest uh, but I'm still sad to see Steve Nash be, being let go because it looks like if He's fired this early in the season, and all within an hour's time, 
there's rumors that Ime Doka is his replacement. And shout out to Jacques Vaughn, who's like holding down the line. Um, uh, it, it seems like, you know, Joe Sai's statement over the summer was almost kind of just smokescreen. It, it, it means that they've been in conversation and working through, hey, if this team is, is not playing well off the start, you know, from the get-go, uh, Steve Nash is going to be is is the scapegoat. Release him, and then Imedoka. They can transition him into this new role because you still have to because he's under contract with the Boston Celtics. You have to have a conversation with him. So that obviously was being done in the last week or so. Um, that's just how bus- the ugly side of you know of of of, of you know the, the league the the business operations. Um, it's really it's it's a shark eat shark world out there. So um, again, I don't want fans to kind of be cynical and you know uh, uh, run out the doors. It's just to understand that beyond the beauty of the game um, and our affection for the players and coaches and everyone involved, this is the other side where it's a billion dollar industry, and so there's a lot of at stake. And so. Um, and this is unfortunately some of the uh, decisions uh, made by flawed humans uh, with a lot of responsibility and power uh, positions, uh, how they operate at least. So that's that's at least my take on this on the Steve Nash, just to kind of give some um, fodder. But uh, B, I mean, the situation in Brooklyn was so fantastical that I thought LeBron had purposely put this in motion to get the league and the media's attention off him and how bad a train wreck the LA Lakers were playing. And believe me, it did it. Like this did the job of getting the attention off the Lakers so much so that the Lakers are actually winning ball games and Westbrook is actually giving high fives to Anthony Davis. Um, But It is just bad PR on so many levels with what they're thinking in terms of coaching. And it's so bad internally with the communication. Like you you talked about Jacques Vaughn. Jacques Vaughn was a quality college player and a quality NBA player who has a great mind, who is coached previously to the Brooklyn Nets, took over as an interim coach when Kenny Atkinson was released, I believe in the bubble year, Uh, did as as good a job as he could, had the Kyrie drama in a different way happening then. Um, But he's a very smart coach. They seem to have played well um, under, you know, under his leadership. Although I think um kd is taking a gm role right now with that team it seems like right now uh to get them some victories but everything about the coaching situation in brooklyn is terrible if they were gonna fire steve nash they should have done it in the summer they could have figured it out much cleaner um i don't think steve nash deserved the job to begin with but I definitely don't think that he's at fault here. I think there's some really good um, uh, opportunities for him to mentor uh, guys 
who are on that team, specifically some of the younger guys who have played quite well for them last year and, and this season, and for even guy like Seth Curry, uh, who's trying to, you know, improve his game as he gets healthy. Patty Mills, obviously, uh, is a point guard that Steve Nash can, can give help to, and they need that because KD can't be on the floor the whole time, and Kyrie's certainly not going to be with this team um, the entire uh, season, whether because he's suspended or otherwise. But uh, I guess we got to get to the, Ky- the Kyrie part of this story. Uh, Zaya, you had some, some thoughts, um, maybe uh, a, a book that's coming out at some point <laughs> with some of your thoughts. But yeah, why don't you take us through some of your thoughts uh, about this situation? Yeah, sure. I, uh, well, you know, I had a conversation with Bryce saying that I probably needed uh, some time uh, to reflect because it, 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 it hits uh, close to home. Uh, and because I've, I've known of these types of topics, I've had these kind of conversations amongst closed doors um, within uh, the black community at barbershops with friends um, at 4 a.m. after a club in my, you know, during undergrad. And, and, and it's two things. It's quite sensitive, um, but it's also fringe because I don't think many people understand um, you know, what is at hand. So Kyrie Irving um, posted on his uh, social media platform a, um, the t- a, DV- a, 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 a video uh, titled uh, Hebrews to Negroes, Wake Up Black America. And this is by um, a religious sect uh, in the United States, um, originated by Amer- uh, African-Americans in the you know, 20th century called Black Israelites, or also known as Black Hebrews. Um, so there's, uh, a, a, similar to the Nation of Islam, um, you know, there's a, uh, you know, a religious movement involving uh, African-Americans who had started religious sects uh, that take from a, the, the more uh, orthodox religious uh, communities. In the case of the Nation of Islam, it's Islam, whether it's Sufism, whether it's uh, Sunni, Islam, and then they reinterpret it for their own purposes and context in the U.S. Um, similar, to, similar to that, they did this with um, Judaism and identifying as the first people. Uh, and now there, like many other religious groups, there are a range of sects, uh, <clears throat> sects by S-E-C-T-S, and a f- several of them um, within the black uh, Hebrew or black Israelite um, kind of uh, umbrella are, are identified as black supremacists. So they use uh, race as a wedge suggesting that uh, not only are they the original people, but their message, religious message is also incorporated with, um, with uh, you could say, uh, xenophobia, uh, hate—you know—a uh, lot of uh, in, in indictments on other communities. One of those communities, in, in communities in particular, uh, is the Jewish community. Um, and uh, so many, many of their statements—it's well researched. You can read about, read it up. It is quite anti-Semitic, um, and which also goes into some of the history of as complicated it is between African Americans 
and and American Jews, um, despite significant timelines of solidarity, uh, in the midst of that, there's also been um, you know some challenging uh, conflict and 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 discourses. That's the context, and I think it was important mm, for people mm, to understand mm. that we're not getting that from any of the sports journalists that are really putting that out. Um, on, on television, I know they have what 15 seconds to provide an opinion, yeah, yeah. Um, whether you're Shannon Sharp or Kendrick Perkins or so on and so forth, um, and immediately show uh, sympathy to the Jewish community, which is rightly so, um, and show an immediate opposition to Kyrie Irving, which is legitimate. And so uh, I'm at not at all being a uh, Kyrie Irving apologist. Anyone who knows me, I've been quite consistent in challenging every opinion he has uttered uh, since he's graduated from Duke University. Actually, he did never graduate from Duke University. I this is not a flat earth pod is what you're telling me. <laughs> not at all, not at all. Um, does he deserve to be suspended in discipline? Absolutely, in order for there to be consistency in how issues uh, addressing any type of xenophobia in the league is addressed or sec um, issues of, of harassment is addressed? Absolutely. Um, now, when there's the conversation to suggest that he needs to be banned from the league, that's where I, I pause. And um, I, just to remind people of, um, of the weight of those statements, because let's pull back. Uh, Kyrie Irving is an African-American in the context of, despite being a, uh, a wealthy athlete who's done incredibly well, he still represents a people group who do feel existentially threatened in the United States. Interestingly enough, the same as someone who identifies as Jewish, uh, where, who still feels the pressure of anti-Semitism until this day. The, the irony in all of this is that uh, many Jewish community uh, leaders have come out to say, no, 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 he needs to be better educated. He needs to meet with many, not just rabbis, but members of the Jewish community before he, go he goes off the ledge and believes that he needs to promote a particular message from one fringe sect of the black Israelites. Uh, which doesn't run that runs contrary to the general public and the fury of uh, of what I've been hearing and reading, uh, which is kind of uh, mirrors kind of the cancel culture that we're we're in. So all of the last week, amongst all of the drama that we've been hearing, this one was was really bothering me because it it, it really didn't address some of the issues as to why do you even have these types of religious sects who feel. Um, who give themselves legitimacy as black supremacists. African-Americans haven't gotten the best uh, stake out of their experience in the United States in the first place. Um, uh, remind listeners that, you know, one of the leaders that many people, you know, it depends on where you side with, who emerged from similar types of sex and turned his life around and, and went in a complete different uh, direction is Malcolm X, right? And so these are really sensitive topics that require uh, critical thinking, require opportunities for re people to actually do research before giving an opinion on this subject matter. Um, do you oppose him for, for being reckless, uh, for being um, um, cocky even in trying to issue a particular type of apology? Absolutely. And so we should continue to put his feet at, uh, on the fire, but this should be also an opportunity for us as a general public and, and people who love the game, who follow the game, who understands that the game also 
is a platform to address social issues, to be better educated, for us to have better, find better ways of actually uh, uh, having conversations around these types of topics, for us to listen to the depths of it. Um, if we don't, if you do not know what Black Israelites are, sometimes you find them on the streets of Toronto or Ottawa mm -hmm. passing out pamphlets with purple t-shirts on. Sometimes they make me feel awkward passing by because I try to avoid eye contact, <laughs> but they're there. And one thing that they want to do is to make sure that uh, uh, members of uh, people who identify as Black can understand that there's opportunities for them to express their religious identity in different ways other than the religious um, uh, traditions that have been imposed on them based on, colonial, uh, based on uh, colonialism. Um, all that to say, hey, there's Kyrie Irving on one end. There's also other individuals like Amari Stoudemire, who also identifies as a Black, black, uh, a black Israelite. And who uh, actually takes trips to Israel? Who, uh, if you if you follow a lot of his work, uh, is is quite it's quite um, um, adamant about uh, his, his his love and his origins of his uh, um, not just religious community but also um, uh, his uh, affinity for for Israel. And so there's a range. There's also a rapper. If you didn't know, a 15 minute uh, of fame, Chingy from the 2000s is. I also identifies as a black Israelite. That was actually just to provide you with uh, comedic levity. Um, <laughs> but it, there's there's a range. So before you, one makes a conclusion on the community, um, try to do your background work. But at the end of the day, and I think this is quite consistent with many of, uh, of, of some of the Jewish leaders who've come out, um, and, and not just in opposition, but also offering an olive branch to Kyrie Irving, is that no one is outside of the realm of, of, of being redeemed here, right? And so, um, and that is a poignant uh, uh, a, a statement towards Kyrie in particular, but that also should be uh, stretched out to others uh, who most likely will, um, uh, who, 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 as we read social media, who are in the side of Kyrie, that I'm like, okay, they don't really know what they're talking about here. They haven't really read what their platforms are, these uh, fringed uh, sex and whatnot. So um, that's my that's my that's my take. Uh, if anyone wants to ha continue to have conversations with me, I can recommend books upon books from the Cornell West to the Michael Eric Dysons for you to read. Um, and uh, and if you disagree, that's also okay. Uh, I feel free to to to, to hit me up. Um, but I also want to thank B and Courtney for allowing me this time to. To talk because I think I took a lot more time, but I think it was deserving uh, knowing that the 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 sensitive um, and, and 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 very much problematic um, controversy around um, uh, around Kyrie Irving and uh, and his actions. Yeah, definitely appreciate it, man. There was, uh, I, I think, there's. You know, there's multiple layers uh, within this situation, as there is with with a lot of uh, situations uh, that hit. And uh, I think what was difficult for me, um, who you know doesn't have the same kind of um, experience in this world, but certainly with close affiliation to. Uh, you know, maybe some of uh, the people who are in similar religious backgrounds to to Kyrie um, is the response 
that I saw from non-Jewish white journalists, uh, both men and women, um, trying to, um, you know, pin Kyrie to be public enemy number one. And don't get me wrong, as I've said on the pod by myself, and, and we've talked about Kyrie, I'm not, I'm not a big Kyrie fan. I think he definitely speaks at a turn. But how he was villainized um, in this without context um, and without uh, having um, some, some educated understanding of Kyrie, I think it was, there was quite a, an indictment on white journalists um, en masse. Um, in some of the commentary surrounding this situation. So as much as a gong show uh, that Kyrie created, I think it revealed the ugliness of not just U.S. media. I think, um, you know, people within um, Canada and the, and the United States for sure. And that's, that's what was unsettling me, I think, more than just Kyrie, because I'm, I'm kind of used to Kyrie making ridiculous statements um, and even offensive statements. Um, Courtney, did you have any kind of reaction uh, to, to this situation? Well, I, I think that we are all on a very similar wavelength here. Um, Zaya, I really appreciate all of the obvious thought and intention that you put into everything that you've shared. Um, you've definitely spoken to the entire situation better than I could even attempt to. Um, but I don't know, it, it has been, I mean, I'm not surprised, you know, social media, especially is a very reactionary place where it's easy to hear something and without even bothering to go to the source, like, for example, seeing what Kyrie actually posted, um, a lot of people have kind of taken the headline of this guy's anti-Semitic and are just running with it. Um, so like with anything else, I always try to be mindful of looking for the source of something and coming to my own kind of uh, conclusion or opinion about it. So I'm trying not to rush to any conclusions. I think the, the five game suspension and the conditions that, uh, that the Nets have provided are fair. <clears throat> For sure. But I don't know. I do think it's been that coupled with everything else that the Nets are going through. It's just been really disastrous and really disappointing to watch. And what's otherwise been a really exciting start to the NBA season. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, if it, if it was just the Kyrie thing, you know, you could kind of uh, put that under a microscope for a bit and kind of move on. But it was like that was just one detonation from within that organization. Um, and again, you know, you look at player to player and decision to decision or uh you know, uh, executive to executive. And that is not an innocent group of people. Um, you know, how Steve Nash gets the job to begin with, with his relationship with Sean Marks and the discussion around white privilege, uh, Joe Size, um, some of his activity outside of the United States as a business owner um, and as a, a, a political uh, player is, 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 you know, um, uh, you know, some difficult, there's some difficulty around those things. Um, KD is certainly not, uh, you know, 
his hands aren't clean of creating drama and and division um, within uh, his team. And, and so it was just like, man, <laughs> this is a real mess. This is like, I constantly heard shit show thrown <laughs> around from within Brooklyn reporters, from, uh, you know, um, bigger uh, media people um, who are African-American, like David Aldridge and Mike, Marcus Thompson. And I was like, wow, everyone is blown away here, whether they're close to it or not. Um, and they weren't just commenting on Kyrie. This was like a full uh, evaluation of the Brooklyn Nets. And, and if I can just add, lastly, that the um, it, it takes away from uh, some of the great things that are happening across the league. Uh, and Courtney, you hit it on the ball. And, and that's unfortunate. Brooklyn is also in a, in a huge uh media market and so it's 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 gaining even more attention right uh not just from your you know your, your general sports journalists but even your peripheral pop culture reporters who uh are interested in uh, making a hot take and unfortunately the nba has made strides in making sure that it leverages its platform to to address issues both globally as well as locally um in the you know the u.s side as well as canada and uh, this type of drama, you know, um, uh, is happening and, and, and taking away people's uh, limited attention bandwidth. Um, and it's really unfortunate. And, 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 and if I wasn't clear enough, I disagreed with Kyrie Irvin when it was in the <laughs> bubble. Yeah. I disagreed with his uh, positions uh, last year as it related to uh, the vaccine. And and I and I strongly disagree with uh, his level of irresponsibility uh, now, and also the way in which he he uh, wants to continue to be this kind of contrarian and not provide a very humble statement of apology and right. and his own action steps to, uh, to 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 address this. So um, and so it's unfortunate because I'd rather talk about some of the amazing things that some of these basketball players, known and unknown are doing in the league, in their own local communities and, and globally. Um, but meanwhile, we're talking about a bunch of dudes who are doing quite well financially and in many ways, um, uh, who won't be impacted by tomorrow's vote uh, election, midterm election in the US, uh, just because of where they are in the finance, in an economic bracket. Um, so that's really unfortunate and frustrating. And so I'm gonna, I'm, 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 that's it. I'm not gonna talk about Kyrie tonight and for the rest of the week, man, just to make sure I maintain <laughs> my sanity. Uh, as you look around the league um, and you look at the first 10 games of the season, you look at some other superstars away from any of the five New York City boroughs. Uh, is there a player that has surprised you? Is there a player that is giving you some of that Scotty Barnes type joy? Uh, Courtney, you said that uh, you were looking at the New Orleans Pelicans this year as your possible league pass team. Is, is there... Is there any any uh, anything happening from them that you've been excited about? Uh, or again, is there a player that stands out for you? Maybe Courtney, you take this one first, and then Zai, you can go. 
Yeah, that's, I mean, I'll be honest. I've been uh, failing in my league pass duties. I've been <laughs> almost every Raptors game except last night's, but I haven't really seen as many Pelicans games as I would like to. Uh, one team that I have seen a couple times in the last few days is the Grizzlies. Um, and of course, John Morant. Not that I'm surprised that he's having a hell of a season, but yeah. wow, he is having a hell of a start to the season. Uh, and one thing I've noticed with him, his three-point is starting to improve a little bit. Like, go. obviously, he's known for his monstrous dunks, which already this season he's had a few big ones. Um, but he's, I think uh, during the offseason, he was clearly working on his three-point shot. So he's been just just a lot of fun. Like, his, his highlight reels are just, it's unbelievable, even just 10 games in. Z, is there, is there a player, is there a team that's brought inspiration that, that that's brought excitement absolutely i have a paper right in front of me and i have ben matherin written right oh, across it definitely. this guy is a marvel he's averaging 20 points a game three and three assists three rebounds uh, i know he's only game 10 they're currently beating the new orleans pelicans in the fourth with less damn. than two minutes left damn. he hasn't had a great shooting game he's coming off the bench but he is probably one or two, uh, uh, you know, second after Bancaro as Rookie of the Year votes. Uh, he's incredible and amazingly well, um, like fundamentally sound, a sharpshooter from the outside, 6'6", six, 210. Six, uh, he takes it to the basket, an athletic freak. Now, he also is from Montreal. Come North. on. So, uh, <laughs> so the, the, the city and the region that brought you Chris Boucher, um, our boy from OKC, Lou Dort. Lou Dort. Um, ben is, 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 is going to have, it looks like a career that surpasses uh, both of them. And that's only because he's, in, he's younger and, and learned from those who've come ahead of him and um, is putting something together. Uh, again, uh, there's something in the water in Douala. There's something, definitely something in the water in Montreal North. But he's been a, a fun to watch, and uh, they're what four? And f they're four and five right now in the Indiana Pacers. So um, if you haven't seen him yet, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I, there, there are some great storylines, um, and obviously, uh, like my top hundred picks uh, for this season at the start of the year. One of my uh, criteria of where I rank people was if I just like you and Jamal Murray is high on my list. And when he dunked the ball on somebody the other night uh, for the OKC Thunder and somebody yelled out, he's back. Jamal Murray is back. <laughs> uh, I got excited because the bounce is back and that is so necessary to uh, complete his game. And I think complete his confidence without that quick uh, step, first step, without that quick bounce, Jamal's game is, is, is not the same, right? And, and he, he, who he is uh, as a player who likes to express himself fully on the court uh, is not there. And so to see that, uh, gave me some uh, excitement. Um, another guy who really surprised me, not necessarily gave me excitement because I don't have a close connection to him, but Damian Lillard came out hot. 
And it's unfortunate that he is now injured for a couple games, but he came out red hot. And I, that really surprised me because I thought, oh man, he's just going to Bradley Beal this season, take his check and get on with it. But man, uh, thank goodness his game is better than his rap game because he has played exceptional and it's been something to watch for sure. Uh, you know, just quite a side note. I've also been following him on um, Instagram, and he spent incredible, an incredible amount of time with his family. Oh yeah, uh, his wife and and, and 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 daughter, and it's always fun to see that. Kids, goodness gracious, <laughs> guy younger than me, and he's like, my gosh, um, so inspiring. Him and Fred, um, and so it's it's really fun to to see those guys uh, have a you know to see the different sides of them um i'm not going anywhere else. all right well this brings up one last question that i want to ask the two of you before we call it a pod because everyone does this and some things that everyone does i just like to get on those those bandwagons those trains so one thing i wanted to talk to you guys about was your after 10 games mvp ladder and we'll just hold it to five people and if you could name five people it doesn't have to be in order but if you had to pick one mvp uh through 10 games who would it be so try and name five people and then pick your mvp for this point of the season who wants to take a crack at this do you want me to lead the way is that easier for you guys i can yeah. go I'm, I'm, I'm definitely gonna forget names here. okay, okay. <laughs> you want to go last courtney Sure. Okay, okay. <laughs> there might be some repeats here, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, from now on, and then even when he returns, I'm still having Pascal Siakam, number five. Uh, Jason Tatum, number four. Jokic, uh, the Joker, number three. Luka, number two. Giannis, number one. Respect. Um, okay. Well, I think my list will be likely very uh, similar. Uh, Tyrese Maxey is not on my list. For those who think that I only can think about 44 points being scored on us in one game. Um, and Tyler Hero is definitely not on my list, despite him having a better third year than a second year and a better fourth year than a third year. But regardless. But regardless. <laughs> and maybe a really good fade, too. <laughs> Um, okay. Well, Pascal's definitely on the list for me. Uh, I think John Morant, uh, definitely has to be, uh, on the list, uh, for me. Um, I, even though he got injured, I'm still going to put Damian Lillard because they played pretty good basketball when he was around. Uh, definitely have to have my preseason MVP pick Luka Doncic on the list and my, Number one, my MVP pick so far this season, not just because of how he's playing, but because of the team's record without their second guy, second star on that team, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo would be my MVP to this point. Interesting. So, yeah, lots of similarities. Unsurprisingly, my number one is also Giannis for sure. Um, I don't think anyone in the league's playing better than him at this point. You'd be hard pressed to find someone. Yeah. I'd put Luca at number two, 
I mean, even the fact that in his first seven games, he put up 30 plus points a night, um, just unbelievable. Um, I think for, I don't know if he's third or fourth, but I would say Donovan Mitchell and Ja Morant for me are three and four. I'm not sure what order I'd put them both nice. in. Um, Cause same thing, Cleveland, like as you pointed out, Bryce, we're the only team that's beat them so far. Like they almost have the same record as the Bucks, right? Yeah. Uh, and then number five consistent again for me is for sure Pascal. And I think that when he's back in two weeks, he's going to c- continue his MVP run and uh, continue to climb up that ladder slowly. I love it. I love it. Is it possible for Pascal to be first team all NBA this season? Is that, is that in the cards? If he keeps playing at the level that he has been, absolutely. That would be such a great story along with an Eastern Conference Finals berth. Yeah, you'll have to move uh, positionings. Yeah. Just put Giannis at center. Yeah, Giannis at center. <laughs> well, you have Jokic at center, Giannis at four, Siakam at the three. You can put Siakam at the one. Luka, Luka <laughs> at the one, and then Tatum at the two. Right. Um, I know Tatum is uh, NBA darling. But, uh, yeah, as Siakam making that first team, I think uh, there's no one else playing better than him in uh, in that five slot. So, yeah. Fun stuff, fun stuff. Well, we'll probably come back to that uh, conversation and see how the season plays out and, and see uh, where some of these guys who are not mentioned on our list and some of the guys who were mentioned on our list, where they uh, kind of – you know, are they are they on the up or are, are they on the down? Currently, the Raptors are on the down, down 12 points to the Chicago Bulls in Chicago on this back-to-back. Uh, so hopefully another Dookie, not Jason Tatum, but Gary Trent Jr. can show up with a big uh, second half for the Raps tonight. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves uh, with an L, which, you know, without Pascal to get a split against the Bulls isn't the worst thing in the world. But guys, it is an absolute treat to not be talking to a wall by myself, but to be actually talking to you two. Uh, you know, this is, uh, I get excited about uh, pods with, the, with JV's big three, and I hope uh, you enjoyed yourselves too. Always great. Always great to hear from you, uh, Courtney. Glad that you're uh, back on. Thank you so much. Looking forward to next time, guys. Now let's get this win tonight. That's right. All right, Courtney, Zayat, peace. I think I don't, I don't do dreaming, boy. I'm on your budget. I do arts. So leave my arts.